The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, let me talk to you about a couple things. The first being draft.com. It is a great way to play fantasy sports. Some are new to it, some aren't, but it is a phenomenal uh, site. Draft.com, draft in your app store. They do snake-style drafts just the way you like them. they got PGA, NBA, NHL, NFL, tons and tons of fun. They've even introduced auction-style drafting. So it is a great, great way to play fantasy sports. Go try it out and use promo code SDSPORTS at checkout for entry into a free $3 tournament of your choice. So draft.com, draft in your app store, promo code SDSPORTS for a free $3 entry into a tournament of your choice. TheQuantEdge.com. They're my buddies over there. They do great work. I only promote sites that are for pay that I trust, and I trust thequantedge.com, and I hope you trust them too. They have NFL. They've introduced MMA. They have a betting tool. They have NBA. They're making it all happen over there at thequantedge.com, and right now, for the rest of the football season, they've lowered their price on the full season package to $59.99, which is a great deal because you get a lineup optimizer, you get an injury tool, a head-to-head tool, so, so much more. you got podcasts. You have articles, all kinds of stuff behind the paywall, and it's $59.99. You listen to Bench with Bubba. You listen to the two-point conversion NFL DFS podcast. You go listen, You go read the sports DJs articles. Then you go to thequantedge.com. You use their tools, and you use promo code BENCHED, B-E-N-C-H-E-D right now, and you get $10 off the rest of the season. So when you use code BENCHED, B-E-N-C-H-E-D, at thequantedge.com, you get $10 off, and you get the rest of the NFL season for $49.99. So go check them out, thequantedge.com. Promo code benched for $49.99 for the rest of the NFL season. Last but not least, I'd really appreciate it if you can go give a rating and review on iTunes. It'd really help me out and uh, get this podcast going bigger and better than ever. But with that being said, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 131 with guest Walter McMichael talking some Dynasty Fantasy Baseball.
And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 131. We're going to talk some fantasy baseball. I love me some baseball, and it's been a little bit, a little bit, a few weeks since we talked baseball. So it's good to be back. And it kind of got my juices flowing watching this certain dynasty draft going around there from our goofy friends at Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Um, and we'll get all the details in a minute. But let me bring my guest on first. You can find him on Twitter at RealFakeWalter. He has joined us on the Bench with Bubba podcast before. Walter McMichael, how you doing, man? Yeah, I was going to say, you've been cranking them out. Because I, I remember specifically, I was episode 68 because I almost <laughs> made it to 69. But so close. You, you've pumped out, what, 70 episodes since then? And, it has, and it's been like, I guess I came on in February. So it's been like eight months. You've done like 70 episodes. That's, that's pretty crazy. That's a lot of content. First, and, thank you. Um, second, my goal is to get two out a week. I'm trying to get a football and a baseball. And eventually, it'll just be baseball only again once football's done. But you know, with life, things happen, or if it's kind of not as busy, I just kind of say, you know what, I'm going to relax for a week and take a breather. But uh, ideally, I could talk baseball almost any day. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's fun. I, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you on taking the breaks. Me and Paul have taken multiple, like, couple month breaks. We we recorded this week though, so. Yes. So it was our first in a couple months. So we we're back on there, but yeah, it, it it's impressive. It's it's not easy to do to just continuously push out content. So congrats. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, go check out their podcast. They moved over to the uh, the Friends with Benef- Fantasy Benefits. Like we said, I've had many many of their contributors on. We've had Justin on a bunch of times and. Uh, they're all really good guys over there, and and Paul and Walter made their uh, bromance come back to life, and it is it's very very fun listening to those two because it's like two brothers that they can bicker at each other for like thirty seconds, and then then they can do you know they can be friendly and, and happy. It's just it's a fun dynamic they bring to the table. So go check it out. Yeah, yeah, we we try to we try to give out good analysis while also making fun of each other. So you're very I, good at that. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's good stuff. We've had Paul on a few times as well. So it's good to have you back before we get into the dynasty talk. And it's kind of the, some of the fun stuff right now. We know we've seen award season. We got hot stove kind of heating up. You got general managers meetings right now. And apparently as a Baltimore Orioles fan, which we discussed last time you were on, they have some new front office pieces. Why don't you talk about that? Because you were kind of rather excited about it. Yeah, yeah. So they hired Mike Elias, who is who's the Astros assistant general manager, and he's in charge of player development and their minor league scout or not minor league amateur scouting. So, I mean, the big problem with the Orioles ever like ever since I can remember is just they've always just had a terrible farm system. I mean, they they kind of lucked into getting Manny Machado one year at third overall and you know, Matt Wieters, who is supposed to be a dude, but I mean, they, they've gotten lucky. They've had a lot of top draft picks. So it's like, you're just going to have a lot of talent there, but you don't, the, the really good teams don't win just based on their first round picks. And I mean, I, I think we've all noticed how much talent the Astros just keep pumping out year after year. And their minor leagues is still just stacked full of talent. They've got pitchers coming out of anywhere that they can find like I mean you got pop-up guys like Josh James and Corbin Martin and just a ton of just a ton of prospects and he's a young guy he's only 35 so he's made his way through the system he was he came over with uh now from the Cardinals so I mean I'm pretty excited I this is what the Orioles needed they needed a young guy that'll come in change the philosophy and 
turn that s- system over because it's just been bad for so long. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see. Uh, I know on my baseball podcast around the bases, Mo and I, we've, we've interviewed some, some Baltimore writers and um, we talked to him a couple times about, you know, what's the philosophy you know, you know, the, the leadership's going to be changing over. As you just mentioned, it's starting to do that. You're going to have a new manager in place. Heck, Brady Anderson might have a very influential role in making decisions as well. And one of the big things we saw towards, you know, the end of the year, early off season, they started accumulating a lot of international money because the Orioles never bought into the international pool. It seems like they were never involved, kind of what you're saying about the minor league system. Ever. And now, and, and they, did, they didn't get the piece they wanted because it makes sense for Cubans to go to Miami. That made the logical sense. But the fact that they have all this money saved up, they can go do something, which they really were never in a position to do before. So the the directions are going there. Um, it's going to be, you know, I'll probably have you back on in the preseason to really break down what is going on with the Orioles because obviously Machado's gone. Uh, Adam Jones is going to be gone. You're still stuck with millions of dollars for Chris Davis. You have Dylan Bundy. Can he get back? Who knows? Like there's a million questions with these guys. But – at this point in time, how do you feel about the Orioles like now compared to where you were maybe a month ago? Uh, I am definitely, definitely feel like they're in a better position. Well, one because they have a GM in general. Like they were, they felt like they were just like in this this phase where you didn't really know what they were gonna do. But with this high, I mean, it's just like he's like. It's just like when when a team that's been bad for so long and they just they hire someone who seems like they're going to be innovative and and change the culture it, it, it's just it, it is huge for morale and and they're going to have the first overall pick this year so it's a good time to get a new mind in there cuz they're going to have a huge they're going to have a huge uh draft class and they're probably going to have the first overall pick for a couple years it, based on that team, it's just horrible. So, yeah, it, it's just a good time to get new blood in there. It'll be fun. And um, I like we... Duquette, and I've always liked David yeah. Duquette. But it, it's just like it feels like like they just didn't – It was time for a change. Do, yeah, they didn't let him do everything mm-hmm. that he wanted. And and he did make some pretty good teams out of, out of nothing. I mean, they're mm-hmm. overpaying Chris Davis now, but they got him for Koji Uhara, and it's like – if you pull a Chris Davis for Koji Uhara, that's that's huge. And yeah, they yeah. they got rid of Jake Arrieta, and people hate that. But it, overall, I think Duquette was a good general manager for the Orioles. Yeah, it wasn't all his fault, basically. Like you're saying, he's not the only reason why things didn't go go right there. There was a lot of things in place. And one thing you got to always remember, you got to look with grains of salt on all this. They're always going to have to face the Red Sox. They're always going to have to face the Yankees. And the Rays are usually somewhat competitive. They're not always great. They're somewhat competitive. I loved them coming into the year. I know you guys did as well. Um, the AL East is not going to be a joke ever. Like, it's never going to be the AL Central where you can kind of win 85 <laughs> games and, and march to the freaking playoffs. So Yeah, it's it's tough it's competing with the Yankees and Red Sox. It, it is tough because those, so, those teams are always good. So, yeah, maybe one of these years they, they snag a wild card spot and you can, you can make some magic and you guys can blame Jeffrey Mayer for something again. or, or I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what, what happens with that. But maybe we'll have to make a, a friendly wager at the beginning of the season after we see the hot stove moves of who gets back to the playoffs first, my lonely Giants or your, your uh, Orioles. Because <laughs> oh, I, I want to say the Giants are in better shape right now, but it's still not pretty by any means. Uh, 
I think the Orioles are in better shape because they realize that they're bad. <laughs> true. <laughs> That's true. The Giants always hold on to that. Well, if we sign these three veterans that are past their prime, maybe we could put together like 85 wins. Yeah. No, since, you're, you're since, we're, since we're going to talk about a dynasty league, the Giants are the dynasty team that – that won a few titles and they cannot admit that it's time to sell their pieces and they're so trying true. to contend they're trying to contend for one more year when they're legitimately like a 10th place team in a dynasty league i have a I have a gut feeling like i said before we recorded i haven't gone over all the teams but i just there's a there's a certain person in your draft that i know pretty well and i know his philosophies on dynasty leagues and looking at his first just 10 picks on the main spread right here I guarantee you, Justin Mason will be that team someday. <laughs> he always goes for the win now philosophy because I've heard him on many of his shows that he's always like, okay, with dynasties, you never know if they're going to be around for two years, 10 years. You don't know, so I go to win now. He always does that. I know he said it on the your guys' recent shows that I'm going to just draft these guys so I can trade them. I guarantee you so-and-so, and we'll go into it in a minute, will not be on my team You know, maybe by the beginning of the season, let alone the middle of the season. So that's what he does. Yeah, Justin, Justin's Justin's wrong, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's okay to be wrong, and this is a safe space, Walter. So you can talk crap about Justin Mason as much as you want. Well, you um, see, the thing is, I will tell Justin that I know it, it, I, on on the podcast with him. So it's nothing I would I wouldn't tell him myself. So and if you guys want a really fun show, like we've always said, when these guys are on, the, go to the Friends of Fantasy Benefits during the season. They record every day. Right now, it's a couple times a week. Um, it was like two Mondays or two Tuesdays ago, whatever it was, maybe last Monday or Tuesday. It was Walter, Matt Thompson. Um, I believe it was Justin. And was it Chris or it was Colin Weatherwax? Colin Weatherwax. Yes. All four of them are on there. And if you want to talk about four guys who know what they're talking about, but definitely disagreed on a few things. That was good. Yeah, that was really, really we good. Had our disagreements, that's for sure. <laughs> Because you know what I mean. You listen. You you can listen to some shows, and it's like everyone just gets along and agrees. It's like, okay, well, this is kind of boring after a while. No, this mm-hmm. was good. Yeah, if you want disagreement? Just get. Just ask me to be on a show, and I'll give you some disagreement. I love it. Well, let's get into this. Let's get let's get into this dynasty talk, and we'll see where we agree and disagree on things here. Uh, I'm usually one of the friendlier ones, but I'm always good for a little debate. Um, first off, thirty team dynasty, forty five rounds, Walter. That is quick math carry the two. That's over a thousand picks. I'm not even going to go all the way out if my math's correct. I could be totally totally wrong. No, no, you're, yeah. you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's over a thousand picks. Um, just roughly, what in Sam Hill is your plan here in this draft? To be honest, it was just like I. So, so just a little background. So, thirty teams. You said it's OBP instead of batting average. That's that's one major difference always. Um, we made sense. it. We made it to where it's quality starts plus wins instead of wins or quality starts. Uh, which one? Kinda, which one? Which one would you have preferred if you only had one? Uh, I think quality. I I like wins personally. I like wins and quality starts are both pretty bad stats yeah. in general. But but now with with the way that baseball's going, I, I mean, you have a ton of openers and. It's like uh, you'll have a guy like Ryan Yarbrough who I think finished last year with like 15 wins, but he barely ever started any game. So he's not going to get any quality starts. And it, it's, and it, it also makes it to where like middle relievers can pick up a few wins, whereas they're, they're pretty much z- they're zeros in quality starts. So okay. I, I like 
I like wins for the for the fantasy game in general. I, I think they're both pretty bad stats, but okay. just putting them together, adding them together, nobody can really argue with you. So true. So it it's just to make things easier. And then we did saves times two plus holds. I love so, that one. I love that one. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do I do like that one in general, but I think it had to be in a league this deep. Because if not, you'll be stuck where a team has a closer get hurt, and then it's going to cost them their entire farm system just to trade for one of the 30 closers in baseball. So yep. it, it's it's kind of like you needed to add a hold aspect into it, even though I think holds is the worst stat in all of baseball. It's just well, horrendous. Yeah, because the holds, it's such a loose thing. I, I can come into the sixth inning and get one out, and that's just bullshit. But yeah, you can you can get I'm pretty sure you can get no outs and get a hold. But oh, wow, it, wow, that'd be impressive. And, and then and then you can have like games where it's like each each team gets like two or each each team has like two or three holds on each side. It, it's just yeah. it's pretty bad. But but you have to add some sort of aspect in there just to just to level it out because you you don't want it to where closers cost so much. And then you if if it's just saves you're not going to win your league with no saves no, and, not a chance. and yeah, it, it's just not going to happen. So you had to, we had to add some sort of holds aspect into it, but yeah. Um, so we did, we did KDS. I, I don't know if you're familiar with that's what I was going to ask you real quick. Can you explain that? Because I've, I have a rough idea what it is. I have never participated in one, but yeah, um, so, I, I guarantee you there's a lot of listeners that have no clue what you're talking so, about. So if you played NFBC, it's conduct, Kentucky Derby Kentucky Derby style, sorry. Uh, you, you pretty much like – so say you you have to rank each slot that you want. Like say if it's – well, it, we did 1 through 30, obviously. But generally it's like 1 through 15. So it's like if the pick you really want is 6, that's your first preference. So if your name gets drawn first, you would get the sixth pick okay. instead of the first. So it's just you rank the picks in order of the preference. I ended up getting super low priority in this. So I ended up with the 21st pick, which isn't too ideal for what I wanted. I wanted the sixth pick because I wanted uh, to be able to get my boy Juan Soto or uh, <laughs> maybe Vlad Jr., yeah, that was definitely not happening at twenty one. So, yeah, those those are my guys that I I wanted. I, I knew Acuna probably wouldn't fall that far, but I I wanted one of those two just because I think those guys in an OBP format are just generational hitters. Like, well, let's just let's just, talk, let's just talk about this real quick because your first handful of picks. I think this will help with the philosophy of maybe what oh, you're going oh, for. One more, one more thing. It is daily daily lineup moves. Which is interesting. Instead of, week, instead of weekly. It, but it's it's weekly fab. So so you can only just you you alternate you you uh set your lineup daily and you uh make free agent ads weekly. So that's why my second round pick is who it was. And yes. Let's I, just I'm say sure that interests you. Yes, that's where we're going with this. Is you have let's just start with your top ten here. You have roughly given one guy played in the pros last year for a little bit with the Rockies. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about Shohei. Um, uh, you have seven of the ten guys are still prospects, um, and then you have Sho- Shohei Otani, 
but you took number two overall, which would be pick one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about pick 30, God, 41 overall. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you're gonna, you guys are going to forgive me on this one. There's, there's so many freaking picks, it's, it's insane. But, um, yeah, what you hit, what was that? Oh, I was going to say, I have the, the pick numbers if you want them. So, Oh, wait, I, can, I can tell you. You know, you know what's convenient? You know what's convenient? I just went to your team page and oh, they're right there. Yep, <laughs> what a convenience. Right. I'm an idiot. Um, but you went you went Eloy and then Shohei number two. You know, for not getting you wanted Ronald or Soto or Vlad at six, getting Eloy at twenty one, I think, is outstanding. Yeah, I love Eloy Jimenez. I, I think I'm gonna be targeting him a lot in redraft leagues this year. He he's getting overshadowed by Vlad and and Acuna and Soto and it's it's like in a lot of years he would be a number one overall prospect and we would be so excited about Eloy because he just completely annihilated Double A and Triple A last year and I mean Steamer loves him they they project him to hit three forty that three forty two OBP and and about like twenty eight home runs on the year. And that's as a he'll be twenty two during during the season, and I think they're a little light on his power. Honestly, this this is a guy who has like eighty raw power. He's he's just gonna crush, in in my opinion. Yeah, I think this is a, a massively huge pick there at pick twenty one. Uh, the power is legit. This guy is gonna be be really really good in that ballpark. Um, I, I like that a ton. And then you came up with number two. And yes, he's not going to pick pitch it all next year. But first off, is he going to be pitcher and hitter eligible in this league at the same time? Yes, he will be pitcher okay. and hitter eligible. So he so, will pick forty overall. That is outstanding to get Mister Shohei Otani. Yeah, I debated taking him in the first, but I I kind of I kind of felt that he would make it back to me in the second, and I didn't think Eloy would. So yeah, Otani in this format, if we do this draft again in a year, he's going to be a top ten pick. Because if even if I'm only able to get 120 to even 100 to 120 innings out of him, plus having him hit, like he just like I I was so surprised how good of a hitter he was last year. Mm -hmm. He, I mean, he was amazing, and then he was a great pitcher as well. And in a 30 team league, being able to have one spot that is a pitcher and a hitter is just huge. Yeah. I think it's pretty impressive for a guy that battled all those injuries. Um, he still came out with 22 homers, 10 stolen bases, and, and what would some would say limited role, um, I think is pretty darn good. You know, I was talking with fantasy front office Phil a couple hours before we recorded, and I was just looking at his stats, looking at the steamer projections for him to, to hit next year, and the steamer projections are just outstanding. He's like a 275 uh, yeah, 20, 30, like 31. Yeah. I think it's 31 home runs and 600 plate appearances. Yeah, yeah he's I, he, by WRC plus. I, I, I had already checked all of these before I did the before yep. I did the pick. By WRC plus, he's projected as the 12th best hitter exactly. in baseball. Was like 143 or something like that. Uh, I, I don't forty something. What, yeah, it's going to be good. It was, but it, it was he's yeah. It, it's he's going to be a beast. Yeah. So. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think it's good because I was talking with Phil, and he was talking about uh, where would you take him in a dynasty, and I already knew where you took him. But I said, you know, in all reality, if this is one where you can keep him forever and you can do this, that, or the other, 
I wouldn't judge you if you took him in the second round. That's kind of what you would have done if you took him in your first pick because it's a second round pick in most drafts. Um, yeah, the yeah, fact yeah. the fact you got him essentially at like a third like a third to fourth round pick depending on your league size is just bananas to me. So I think that's a great move. Even if he doesn't bounce back to the pitcher he was supposed to be, just that bat alone. He's so young, people forget that with him. But I think that's a, a great pick. Now, what you continue to do now with your next two picks is take more prospects. One we might see this year, one we definitely won't, but he's an absolute beast. Top pick in the draft, uh, Royce Lewis, and you have Bo Bichette. So based on this start, you are are you trying to win now or are you trying to win in a couple of years? No, I am a I am a accumulator of assets kind of person. It it doesn't have to be that I win this year. It doesn't have to I, I would prefer to win year two. I, but if it if it takes until year three, that's fine. But I want as many assets as I can possibly have accumulated onto one roster. And so I just take who I think has the most trade value at each pick. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Royce Lewis is going to be absolutely outstanding. Uh, You took Bichette, like I said, and now we have to talk. We really have to talk about this one. Um, (laughs) Your fifth pick, he was uh, pick pick 141 in a dynasty league. And, okay, and I, I know he's young. He's a former number one pick. What are you seeing in Byron Buxton that you couldn't have waited another 100 picks for? Well, he wasn't going to last another 100 picks. <laughs> but, like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Byron Buxton is pretty terrible. And I, I – but I – the way I look at it is if he comes out hot the first month, I'm going to be able to flip him for way more than this pick. Obviously, there's the risk that he just completely tanks in. I just whiff on this pick, but it, it at this point in the draft, I'm a hundred. Where what you said, 140 picks into the draft. At that point, around yeah. there, yeah. Yes. So at at that point, I know it's my fifth pick, but at that point, it's like the the risk is like the cost of it. It, it it's like the reward outweighs the risk at that point. It he's people were t- he would have went in the first round. Of this draft last year, 100%. possibly yeah. I, I could see how you could. I could see how you could say that because people were taking him around 140 in a redraft league last year. So last I, I year that. he was going like 50 overall in redraft. Oh Jesus! Yeah, um, he, I must. People, I must have just. Can, I must have just canceled him from my memory last year. <laughs> yeah, people loved him last year, and I. I don't know. I, I think. He he still is a former number one overall prospect. I mean, I, I I just think there's still a lot of talent there, and I'm just I'm just trying to accumulate high upside assets at, at this point. Okay, well let's talk about this thing because we know he spent 35 games at AAA, 28 in the bigs last year. He had injuries. He had it seemed like the DGAF mode. It was just a combination of I think he started to realize that. His name and uh, draft pick alone won't matter anymore. So you look at the steamer projections, and he's the f- steamer's got him for 49 games. He's got six homers, 21 runs, 22 RBIs, and seven stolen bases. 49 games over under. Oh, he's going to play more than 49 games. That's 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 a brutal projection. I I don't know why they have it so low. I mean, I mean, his if he's healthy, his defense alone will keep him in the majors. So, 
I I don't know. I I honestly don't know what he's going to be this year. But there there are skills there. He I mean in 2017 he he hit 16 home runs and stole 29 bases. If he does that, I I got a good pick at 140 overall. If he does that, that's outstanding. I completely agree with you there. I just I don't know. He's probably going to do it eventually because the talent is there. I think he I think he needs to figure out what his game is. I think that'll help him a ton. But um I guess he's yeah. got a little bit – I guess he's got time. You just can't let the likes of Kepler, Rosario, and then uh, Kirilov come pass you by. Yeah, I mean, Kirilov is a ways away. So, But, yeah, Kepler. I mean, those guys aren't going to keep Buxton, <laughs> Buxton away from the field. Like J- Jake Cave. I, these guys aren't going to – I don't see him as a threat personally. Okay, then let's move on. You got Garrett Hampson, who I, I absolutely love. I talked about him last year. I said, DJ LeMay, he's leaving town, this kid – he can hit. He's a, he's another LeMahieu basically to me. He can hit. He's not a huge power guy, but he gets on. I like him a lot, so I think that's a very stable piece there. But after that, at pick two oh one, you went with the guy that's getting in traffic accidents in his foreign land. He is um, not very talented at the moment, but uh, you can hit balls a mile. You got Miguel Sano. So what's your um, your mindset on this one? This is this is pretty much the same pick as Buxton, but with an all power guy, I, a former top prospect that nobody likes anymore. Steamer projects him to hit thirty home runs with a three twenty six OBP. So, I mean, he he's shown ten percent walk rates every year in his career. So, I I just think this is a good point to buy Sano. I, average leagues, I'm a little worried because he could easily hit two twenty, two thirty. But in OBP leagues, it, it 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 incorporates his second best skill, which is taking a walk. No, and I like that OBP. You're 100 correct there. If you're if you're looking average, you're in trouble. OBP, you know, and and Steamer people need to realize I love using his projections. I talk about them all the time. A because it's like the only thing we got right now, and B I like the fact that they're more conservative, so it's more like a floor with some upside instead of some projections might you know kind of over project. If that makes sense. So yeah, yeah. I, I like using the steamer. So in reality, you know, they're, they're saying 29, 30 home runs. Heck, we know Miguel Sano, and that's still in 140 games. If he plays 140 games and he's got that pop back, he's hitting you 40 home runs, and he's got a, still at a 330 or 340 OBP. So, yeah, yeah, again, in, 20, in 2017, Miguel Sano in 114 games had a 352 OBP with 28 home runs. Like if yeah. I can just get that, he's he's a steal here. So at that point, it, definitely. Yeah. So it, it's just trying to put together guys that I think are are mm-hmm. values at the at the pick that they're going. So three of the top seven picks are Minnesota Twins. Did Nate Dawkin <laughs> talk to you before this or something? I know. I I even put a I even messaged uh, in in our little group chat. I was like, "Yep, I'm officially a Twins fan now." Sorry, guys. That's I mean, I might as well root for the Twins. The they Orioles got a better chance than the game. Orioles. <laughs> um, your next three picks, more prospects, George Valera from Cleveland, UC Kikuchi, uh, the yeah. Esteban Florial. Talk to me about this Kikuchi because I honestly have no clue. Yeah, I mean, there's really not that much out there right now, but he's going to be – he he's one of the best starting pitchers on the market. He's a 27-year-old Japanese lefty, so he's – He's gonna be. He's gonna be in the majors this year, and I know. Uh, I don't know if you know Tim McLeod, uh, yes. and he loves UC Kikuchi. So I'm gonna take his word for this one. And it, it was did you, strictly. Did you, did you call him Juicy or UC? 
Juicy. Oh, because I like the idea of calling him Juicy Kikuchi. This could be fun. Juicy UC? Yeah, that could work. <laughs> this could be fun. But yeah, I, I did, at this point, it was like, if you look at the starters going around yeah. him, it's like Jake Arietta, Ryan Yarbrough, Julio Tehran were the starters that went after him. So it's kind of like, I mean, those guys are so underwhelming. I'll take a guy and just hope that he gets a little bit of hype or pitches well. And I mean, so many, like at this point, we're, we're already yeah. real deep and we're only 10 or nine rounds in. So, yeah. So after Florio, your 10th pick, that's 280 picks in. We won't go pick by pick. I'll just name them off real quick, and we'll just kind of broadly talk about it. We got Jeff McNeil, who was, you know, a, a top three or four in the rookie of the year bout, balloting for the Mets. You got Brandon Lowe, a stud bat for the Tampa Bay Rays. You got Xavier Edwards, Nolan Jones. You got Nate Pearson, who just blew up in the Arizona Fall League. Um, Mark Luciano, Giants. Uh, Dalton Varsho. You got Michael Chavis. If he's off the steroids, we'll see how that goes. O'Neill Cruz. <laughs> Mark Vientos, D.L. Hall, you got your Oriole action there in round 21. And then with the, your 640th pick, 22nd round, Dennis Santana from the Dodgers, good young arm. We saw you had surgery, but good young arm. Moral of the story, though, you have maybe three starters, four starters, the rest of your minor leaguers. Where are you going from here? Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't plan on contending this year, obviously. And – it's like how frequently do we talk about, oh, my gosh, I, I hate it that this young starting pitcher is hurt. Oh, man, this, starting, this young starting pitcher had so much talent, but he just blew out his elbow. Oh, man, this starting pitcher is really struggling in the majors. Yep. Just don't buy young starting pitchers. Buy the ones that are showing that ace potential. Like – like a lot of these guys, like they went really high. Like, like let me let me just look at the draft. Like Sean Newcomb went in the third round. Uh, you have, I mean, like the starting pitchers are just so. It's so hard. Like, okay, so Jesus Lazardo went in the fifth round. I love Jesus Lazardo. Yep. He, I think he's going to be great. He already has Tommy John on his resume. Yep. It, Alex Reyes was the next pitcher. How many years have we been waiting for Alex Reyes to be healthy? Quite a while. Yeah. Then we have Brent Honeywell who also went. And it's like I own Brent Honeywell in two dynasty leagues. And I was hoping – and I was thinking he was going to contribute for me last year. And he blew out his elbow. Denelson Lamette was the next starting pitcher off the board. Blew out his elbow last year. Michael Kopech was the, is the next starting pitcher. Blew out his elbow last year. It it just the list so goes on and on and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. You just once your bats are ready to compete by starting pitcher. No, I, I I agree with you there. I think that's that's definitely a good option there. Let's talk about a couple just kind of players, and we'll go through some teams here. Um, first off, for many that haven't listened to the podcast with these guys yet. Can you explain to me Matt Thompson taking Ronald Acuna number one over Mike Trout? I, you'll have to talk to Matt about that. I can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't give any good reasoning. He, I know he said that he wanted to own Ronald Acuna and all this mm-hmm. stuff, and he owns Mike Trout. Another, yeah. He, you should. The only, the only spot that can't be argued in my opinion is Mike Trout at one. Yep. Yeah, because in dynasties, there's a million different ways you can go with it. There's different strategies, especially with OBP compared to average, the different formats. There's a ton of ways to go. But I tweeted out earlier when Mike Trout finished second to Mookie Betts tonight. 
in Mike Trout's seven full seasons, he's finished fourth once, he's won two MVPs, and he's been runner-up four times. So he's finished top four, uh, top two in the MVP voting six straight seasons. Like, that is ridiculous. Yeah, and honestly, I think the last two years were the only years he really shouldn't have won. Like, I can easily see a case for Mookie this yes. year. I I thought Judge should have won last year, not Altuve. Um, but every other year, Trout was the best player in baseball. Yes, by me. far. Like, even the year Miguel Cabrera won Triple Crown, Mike Trout should have won MVP that year. He was the best player in baseball. Definitely. Uh, so you got Trout two. Mookie Betts went three. Um, I don't hate it. Obviously, just won the MVP award on uh, Wednesday night. But you got Vladito going third ahead of Lindor and Juan Soto fifth or sixth, I guess. Uh, Vlad going fourth overall. What's your thoughts on that? Would you have gone sooner or is that about right? Uh, honestly, I think Acuna, Betts, Vlad, Lindor, Soto, and Jose Ramirez, for me, are all just like one tier. You can pick which one you like the most. I can tell you I like a different one more, and we're both right. Yeah. Now, it is kind of personal preferency. I just think it's crazy when you look at steamer projections like we've been talking about. <laughs> they have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. projected to lead Major League Baseball with a 306 batting average. He's going to hit 22 homers. Uh, and like, because they're already factoring in, he's not going to be up until you know, like the third week in April or second week in April, whatever it is. It's insane how good this guy's going to be. And uh, for years to come, he's only what nineteen, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, he'll be he'll be twenty crazy. next year, but he's just going to destroy baseballs. That's what Vlad does; he yeah. just destroys baseballs. And it gets interesting again. No pitchers taken for a while, all the way until Chris Sale. Well, let's just talk about that, Chris Sale. Goes, you know, pick. I'm trying to do it without loading up the Nin- first page. 19. 19. Yeah, 19. That's where you are. 19 overall. First pitcher off the board, Chris Sale at 19. A, do you think it's too early for a pitcher? And B, would you have taken Chris Sale over other options there? Um, I wouldn't have taken Chris Sale just because, obviously, I, I've told you my, my strategy. Yeah. and uh, But I, I he would be my number one starter in Dynasty. He's just – he's so elite. Like and he's thirty, so he's yeah. he's got what four years on Scherzer, yeah. And he and honestly, he's so much better than Nola, Snell, Walker, Bueller, all these guys on a per inning basis. He's so much better than them. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. It's just interesting with uh, at Brew Crew Pep Dave P. I'm not sure I know exactly who he is yet, but I'm going to have to follow him after this. Uh, so he takes Chris Saylor with the 19th pick. He comes back with Victor Robles, which I absolutely love. I was talk actually talked about him earlier today that he's kind of the forgotten man, I feel, with Juan Soto coming up. If it wasn't for Juan Soto, Victor Robles goes – he's up there instead. If Victor doesn't get hurt, I mean. And you go with yeah, Mr. Reliable, sure. Justin Upton. But then his next pitcher is in the fourth round, and he goes Forrest Whitley, which is interesting. But overall, his pitching, you know, Whitley, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Wade Davis, Julius Chassin – Quite an interesting repertoire he's got there, but uh, I guess he backed it up okay. What do you think about his team so far, the way he started after taking Chris Sale with his first pick? Uh, I, mean, I I like it. I, I really like Victor Robles. Like I, If Otani hadn't fallen to me, I probably would have taken him in the second round. I think he's going to be he's, – he's pretty much going to be Starling Marte, but with a little bit better OBP. 
Um, Justin Upton, I'm, I'm not really a Justin Upton guy. I, I think I probably would have preferred Tommy Pham to him, but I, I think that's that's fine. And Whitley, Whitley is a starter. I would, I do want to invest in Whitley, but obviously my my tendency is to kind of fade the the young starters. And but he looks like a beast. But obviously, like last year, we we thought he probably would be able to make the rotation, but he got hurt. Yep. <laughs> uh, like it's, it's interesting because we talked to Chris Sale, like, and then it goes towards the end. You got Nolas, Blake, or Blake Snell, Walker Bueller, DeGrom wrap out towards the end of the first round. And then the second round, you got Cole, Scherzer, Hugo Otani, Bauer, Severino, Carrasco, Syndergaard, Kluber, Corbin, and then Barrios, Verlander. Now it's almost half of the draft to the first two rounds. It's pitchers all of a sudden. Um, do you Do you feel, and obviously it's hard to tell with 30 guys, was this kind of an, oh, crap, I better make sure I have an ace? Or is this kind of a, it made sense? Um, I think it was, I think it was a lot of, a lot of teams, if, if you look at the draft, they, you can tell they wanted to contend this year. So if you're going to want to contend this year, you need an ace. Yeah. It's, especially considering all these other teams are going to have aces. Like you said, it went on a run. And once they're, ta- once the person in front of you takes one and the ace well is, kind of drying up and you know they're not going to make it back to you they kind of had to take one and i i i it's crazy i there's no way i could take nola snell walker bueller in the first round it it, those guys like i like them but i don't know there's just so many good bats you could have taken like uh, i it's hard for me it's hard for me with a dynasty draft, like in season long draft, sometimes runs happen and you got to play them even if you don't want to type thing. In a dynasty draft, it's obviously kind of how your philosophy goes. Um, how do you how do you treat things when you see runs start to happen in a in a draft? Uh, just in general, or like you know, like uh, in, in redrafts, all of a sudden a closer run happens or a catcher run happens and. Some guys all flock to it, obviously creating the run. Now you already mentioned, you know, it's dynasty. You didn't need pitching. It's all these different philosophies, but you see them happen. If you just look at this grid, runs happened. Um, yeah. How yeah, do you approach sure. those when they're going on? I usually just do something else because when when a run is when a run is happening, that means that that resource is is kind of drying up. Or, or you're you're kind of forcing a pick. So I I mean some of these like the guy like the pick of Patrick Corbin that one seemed kind of forced. I don't know. I'm not gonna get too much into that one, but uh, <laughs> but is that Andrew Dyer's team? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. Well, so. It, was, it wasn't his team, but it is oh. now. Uh, he, oh, did, okay. he he did not he did gotcha. not make the first three picks, but but yeah. He, that one seemed kind of forced, but it, it it's kind of like part of the reason I wouldn't take um, take some of these pitches is because if you look at it's Ben and Goldie, which is uh, which is Colin Weatherwax, he didn't take a pitcher in the first two rounds, but he still ended up with James Paxson and Madison Bumgarner as his first yep. two starters. And it's stink. like, I mean, that's a in a thirty team league, that's amazing. To me, I, I, I could see James Paxton. 
outperforming pretty much any of these starters. Definitely. And he got him in the third round. So I I just think kind of what he did where he, he just kind of skipped over the pitchers and took what he thought was the best bat was the, is the best option at the point. You just, you, you forget the runs and you just take who you think is the best player that fits your team the best. Yeah. When I, when I do my dynasty drafting, I kind of start out with, I, I try to get guys that are like 25 to 28 or 29 that still have a handful of years left, but I, so I can contend now, but I can contend for a while, throw in some prospects that will kind of come up and replace. That's my goal going into a draft. Obviously, does it happen all the time? No, but uh, that's kind of where I look at things when I'm drafting. Yeah. Yeah, the hard thing is everybody uh-huh. wants the 25 to 28 year old. Yes, that's where it gets very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> that, that's very the hard difficult. part. Um, so at this point, before we go look at other teams, how are you feeling about things right now? Do you feel like you need to address anything more than others? Oh, I, I love my team so far. I, I think I'm just going to continue just take who I think is the best player on the board. If it, if it does end up being – I mean, I, I probably won't own many uh, relief pitchers, but I, I think you can just find those during the season, even in a league this deep. I, relievers just pop up out of nowhere, so – yeah, especially uh, when you got I, saves and holds. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I'm just gonna continue hammering home the, 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 the young bats. Very, All right, let, very young bats. Let's pick on some teams here. Let's have some fun with this. Um, <laughs> I'll try to keep it to guys I know more so than others to try to be nice to the situation. But if you have any you want to go with, let's do it. Let's start with good old Mike Alexander, our buddy over there, Roto Juan. Um, I'm pretty sure that's his getting gritty with it team. Yep, that is um, him. J.D. Martinez, Miguel Andahar, Jesus Aguilar, Marcelo Zuna, Chris Archer, Didi, DeYoung, Vertigo, Sixto Sanchez, Morton, Jaimel Jones, who I love a lot as a prospect, Healy, Andrew Miller, Caleb Smith, Ty Buffrey, so on and so forth. All in all, I think this is sneaky good, and he's starting to pick up you know guys like Shedlong and others towards the end so far. Again, only halfway through the draft. If you had to pick on anything with this team, what would you pick on? Yeah, I mean, I I think that he he's gonna be he's gonna be contending. So, yep. uh, but he has n- absolutely no speed. I mean, he took Jankowski, but he is he has no speed. JD Martinez and Duhar, Aguilar, Ozuna, Didi, Dejong—they're all pretty much zeros in stolen bases. So. I think he needed to to balance out his categories a little bit better, but I, I mean, I I think he's going to be a contender, and and I think you can pick up speed during the season. So he, he, can, he, can go hit up, he can go hit up Smata for terrible Billy Hamilton. Yeah, we'll get to that pick in a minute, though, because I think it's uh, that's a sneaky nice pick. But um, let's talk about Mr. Mason. Um, this is always a fun one because this team is going to get you going. Uh, he's on the Trey Turner bandwagon, like so many are for some reason. Uh, you got Luis Severino, Joey Votto, great B, uh, OBP player, as we all know. Uh, you got Zach Granke, of course, who might get traded. Who knows where that's going to go? But Mason will tell you all the good stuff about him if you ask him. Um, and then he's got Justin Turner, Felipe <laughs> Vasquez, Ross Stripling. He did get Victor Victor. That's the one of the guys he claimed will not be on his team by the start of the year. He got Louis Robert. Then he goes against freaking Miguel Cabrera. That one I did not understand. He got his boy Kyle Gibson. He's got a lot of guys for the now, but then he started getting like Helio Ramos, Roman Quinn, 
uh, Tapia, Bubba Thompson, Jalen Beeks, Luis Patino. He got decent prospects towards the end, but he's definitely going for the the now mode. What do you think about Mason's strategy? I mean, yeah, he drafted all the dinosaurs. The the general Justin yep. Mason strategy. I I he did he did get kind of lucky that Trey Turner fell to him and Severino. That surprised so, me. So he got he got some young studs to start his team, but he got Joey Votto, Grinky, and I, but I do love Justin Turner. I I think he is a skill set that will age well. Um, Felipe Vasquez is is a young closer. I I Victor Victor and Robert were definitely picks that he took just to just to That's flip true. eventually. Um, yeah, I, I mean I like Miguel Cabrera there. You you he's still Miguel Cabrera. He can still hit. It's just if he stays healthy and you're at pick like two eighty or something at that point. So I I don't know. I like. I like Miguel Cabrera there. He's going after guys like Luke Voigt and Yuli Gurriel and Tyler White and Carlos Santana. I I don't have a problem with it. Okay. I actually well, I, I think that's actually a good pick there. Do you but, actually uh, do you believe Miguel Cabrera? Like we know he saw his workout videos right now. He's lifting weights in the <laughs> in, in his in his native land, but um are we buying a Miguel Cabrera resurgence? I know he was banged up a lot last year, but are we actually buying into this? Well, if you if you look at it, last year he hit 299 with a 395 OBP. He he could still hit when he played. I I don't know how much power is left, but yeah, I, I mean I I think if he's on that's that's just Miguel Cabrera. So I I will I'll buy are, are, that price. Are we believing Steam are projecting him for twenty five home runs? <laughs> uh, that's that's gonna be tough. I I don't. I'm not sure if it's twenty five. Maybe it's like twenty. But I mean, if he if he's hitting if he has a three seventy OBP, that's that's great at that point. Now looking at the, you know, we said he just went. Uh, God, this page keeps reloading on me. Um, he got him in round ten of this draft, so. Like you said a second ago, that is pick 286, which is pretty freaking good. Um, looking at the two early mocks, ADPs, he was going about 177. Say you're redrafting in the, the Great Fantasy Invitational. Would you take Miguel Cabrera between 170 and 180 overall? Uh, it really depends on what my team needs, but if if he fit, like if I needed a batting average boost, yeah, for sure, I'd take Miguel Cabrera there. What I you're you're gonna drop so many players that you pick at that at that area. It's and how many of them truly have Miguel Cabrera's hitting upside? That is very very true. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, let's go to let's go to Matt Thompson's team. It's always fun. Um, we already mentioned he got Ronald Acuna. I like the coming back with Verlander and Jack Flaherty. Don't hate that at all. Got Scooter, Gene Segura. And then he goes back to his prospect roots. For those that know, know Matt, he's been on the show. He's a big prospect guy for fantasy, with friends with benefits, and now he's got prospect live with all the boys, Ralph Lewis, Shits, and company. But uh, he got all his prospects. And Jake Lamb, of course, he had to get Nolan Gorman. Otherwise, he'd kill someone. Uh, Hunter Renfro, who I, I really like that pick at pick 300, I think. Hunter Renfro's in for a huge year. Uh, Bradley, Matthew Libidor, Steven Souza, so on and so forth. It's an interesting team. He got his prospects early, and he's, he's filled it in with some pretty okay guys. 
after that. What do you think of with Matt Thompson's team, given uh, with withholding not taking Mike Trout number one? Yeah, I mean, I think he's done a good job. Uh, you know, he's he's picked up a few Cardinals players uh, along the oh, way, of, of course. Like he just had a he just had a Cardinals turn of Malcolm Nunez and I think it's John Torres, but uh, yeah, he's. I, I think he's got a solid team. He he kind of did – he. it's kind of weird what he did because the first five picks were a lot of win now, and then he went Christian Robinson and Andres Jimenez at the next turn, which which is kind of counter to what he did early on. But I, I have a feeling he's going to he's gonna be on the trade market trying to yeah. – Trying to get some uh, win now pieces with that, and and that's the thing with thirty teams. There's going to be teams selling, and, definitely. And, and you will definitely want to have and the best currency to have when you when there's uh bad teams is to have the young bats. And so uh, I'll be there when when they're ready to hey, sell. There you go. Already already planning your their demise. Um, a team that I really like the directions going. It should be no surprise. He's. He's very quiet, but very, very powerful with his tweets and his data work and everything else he does. But Smata, outside of being a computer genius, has put together a very, very solid-looking start, at least in my opinion here. You can disagree if you so choose. But when you have the likes of uh, first, you know, called Smata Industries is pretty freaking good. But um, <laughs> Bryce Harper, Joey Gallo in an OBP league is outstanding. Fernando Tatis Jr., Joe Adele, Jesse Winker, Danny Jansen – Catel Marte, Julie Lacassi, Nate Lowe, Billy Hamilton, a pick 293. I do not hate at all. I think it's a great way to get steals late or trade, like you said. Skaggs, Isaac Paredes, Ken Giles, so on and so forth. I think this has been a sneaky good draft. Louis Basabe, a pick 593. I think it can be sneaky nice. You know, you got Mitchie Two Bags, a pitch 668. I'd rather have Mitchie Two Bags <laughs> than um, Miguel Cabrera. I'll put that out there right now. Ooh, that's. I'm not sure about that one, <laughs> but because uh, it, it, Mitch Moreland, I mean, yeah, Mitch Moreland's going to be solid. He will be solid, but he just has no upside at all. I guess he had some upside this year. He made he almost made the All Star team for Kenneth Kidd. But um, <laughs> what do you what do you think about Smata here so far? I think he's got a really good balance of prospects, young guys that can play now. The whole cha cha. I think he's doing pretty darn good there. No, Smata's team is horrible. I can't stand that guy. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, Smata's Smata awesome. Uh, he his team is his team is interesting. It his picks always annoyed me throughout the draft. You know, I was hoping Tatis would make it to me in the third round. Uh, didn't happen. Then I was hoping Wander Franco would make it to me and didn't happen. But I, I'm happy with Royce Lewis there. Um. Yeah, Smata's team, I, I really like it. Joe Adele, I think, is going to be a beast. I was between him yeah. and Bo Bichette for my fourth pick. Uh, Jesse Winker in an OBP league is awesome. Danny Jansen as well. Yeah. I'm not sure about Keto Marte as much. Joey Lucchesi is his uh, his number one starter, so you can tell he faded the starting pitchers like I like I did. And uh, obviously, I, I like where the rest of his starters turned out. I like where the rest of his starters turned out, though. I think it's pretty sneaky nice. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're for, okay. for fading that long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're they're okay, guys. I, he's going to need to do a lot of work on his rotation, just like I'm going going to have to. But, uh, yeah, I really like his team. He He's going to have a consistent contender is what I'm expecting. I, I feel like I'm going to have to contend with him 
in the next few years when, when my team is finally put together. All right. Without going over every person's team, there's a lot of different ways to break all of them down. We have 30 teams here. Um, <laughs> were there, were there any other ones that really stood out to you? Like this is really good or this is really crappy. We, this is, this is a judgment and free zone. We are a judge for like, you could judge all you want. No one can ridicule you for it. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think Darius Austin, uh, he has a partner. I, I can't I can't think of his partner's name right now. Um, they had the second pick in the draft, and I'm pretty sure they're going to win this year if you just look at their team. Their first three picks are Mike Trout, Charlie Blackman, and Clayton Kershaw. Um, oh. oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they have Travis Shaw, Kenley Jansen, Tim Anderson. Yeah, their team all put together is going to be really, really good this year, and I, I think pretty tough to beat. Um, yeah, heck, you got Marwin Marwin Gonzalez, Rick Borsello, Posey in round ten. Yeah, they're not messing around. Yeah, yeah. So they, they I, didn't they, they didn't take a, a prospect until like round twenty. Yep. Yeah. They they went. <laughs> it's it's smart though. They when you have Mike Trout, you have to win now. Heck, you got Kyle you have, Lewis in round twenty one. That's outstanding. Sorry, yeah, sorry to keep interrupting you. I'm, I'm impressed by that squad. Oh my goodness. No. Yeah, yeah, their their team's gonna be really strong this year. I I'm not sure how good it's gonna be in a year, but it looks really good this year. And like they did a good job of putting a nice solid rotation together without having to spend highly on. It. I mean Kershaw in the third round, but but I mean, damn Kershaw in the third round is insane to see. Compared to like where Chris Sale and those guys went, like, yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, yeah that's. So their team is going to be really, really strong this year, in my opinion. Um, let me see what other – obviously, I told you about Colin's team. I, I really like to start that he got those two starters. What's his team name? Oh, yeah, he got uh, the yeah. – Goldie. Yeah, I, I like that he got those two starters a lot um, without having to use one of his first two picks. So he got Benintendi and Goldie. Which which was a nice start. Um, the guy who's really been killing me with with a lot of picks, uh, just throughout the draft, just some uh, prospects and stuff was uh, Steve Ross. Like he took, uh, I know he he took a couple guys like Drew Waters and Brian Rocchio in the last couple rounds that I really wanted, and he kind of took them from me. So that's always it's uh, always that's always rough when they do that to you. But yeah, yeah. It, it's hard to keep up with who everyone has throughout the draft because it's like, yeah, you have, there's 30 teams. So I, it's just so hard to wrap your head around it, even when you're in the draft. And we've been going so fast. Like we started this last Monday and we're through. Yeah, we're we're in the 23rd round. So we've made so got- over 600 picks in 10 days. You guys will be done around Thanksgiving. Uh, possibly if the yeah. if the pace keeps up. But yeah, I, I wasn't expecting to go this fast. I I mean I've been in fifteen team redraft leagues that are thirty <laughs> rounds that take yep. longer than this. These no, people I'm are with taking the full eight hours. But we've we we're honestly we're we're all hounding people. You know, people take yeah. twenty minutes and we're yelling at them. Justin's telling him they're fired if they take 30 minutes, so. Oh, fucking Justin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Now that he's, you know, on paternity leave for two months, he's got more time to 
to bug people. Um, <laughs> you don't have to if you don't want to. I guarantee you, or I want to say, they're not going to listen to this. What are some of the prospects like you're hoping or like that you're waiting on and hoping they're there? You don't have to if you don't want to. Um, just looking through my queue right now. Uh, so one guy. Oh, here you go. A Giants prospect. Going to uh, enjoy Bart. No, Bart is way. Oh, gone. he should have been gone. Yeah, not to say how the heck could he still be around? Yeah, uh, Alexander Canario. Okay. Uh, he's a low-level outfielder or rookie ball outfielder. So, but but he has a he's shown a strong walk rate and he has power and speed. So he, he's a guy that's interesting. He's only eighteen. Um, I think my next pick. I, I'm kind of undecided on my next pick. To be completely honest, uh, yeah, I, I have a ton of players in my queue right now that I haven't really sorted out. Um, but I, I'm really big on taking the international players. Yeah. Um, just because it's like if you look at the top of these drafts. Actually, you're just, on the clock. You're on the clock. If you want to make a pick on the air. Oh, I'm on the clock right now. I'm pretty sure Alex Fado just I've got taken. On- I've been on the clock for 20 minutes now. They're probably screaming at me. You could send them my way. We can talk to them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind Let's of talk through this. Game. Yeah, I have a couple guys. I think... Hmm, I think here I'm going to take uh, Antonio Caballo. I think that's how you say his name. I, I'm I'm very big on taking the the young uh, international signings who have who have shown something like he he really crushed in uh, in rookie ball last year for the Yankees. So I, I'm thinking nice. him or I could take uh, Orelvis Martinez, who uh, was the highest signed. He got the the largest bonus this year other than uh victor victor i might go that direction but that's just me <laughs> so i i think i yeah i'll take Orelvis martinez he's he's a like blue it. jays blue jays prospect uh jason waddell really likes him oh uh, there you go and that that's that's always good enough for me if jason waddell likes him yep. I'm, I'm probably gonna pick him up or draft him in my in my dynasty drafts well, there you have it, folks. Live on the air, pick, you know, around 24 or something crazy, like bananas. Pick 700, no, pick 600, like 80 in the draft. Just made by Walter McMichael. Beautiful times. Because yeah, if you look at this, like, uh, I know that Ben Badler loves uh, Marco Luciano, the yeah. another Giants prospect. Yep. Uh, the Giants are slowly building things up. Yeah, they're they're good at – they, I mean, they sign the international players. They're, they are players in that market. So, um, but yeah, he, Ben Badler said he has like the, he would be the potential guy to do like the, the Wander Franco type jump. Not necessarily that he is Wander Franco, but huge. just that he could get that kind of hype. And if you look, Wander Franco win the third round of this, this draft. Well, that's tremendous then to get stuff like that. Um, you talked about on your podcast last night. You drafted a dynasty team with 
with your buddy Paul Martin there. Now, right now you're doing it by yourself, so obviously you can kind of go with what you want to go with. What's it like dra- having to draft with a partner? Like, I, I hate doing it, but how do you guys do it and make it work so well? Well, that one was actually an auction draft. So I remember uh, you, yeah, you talked about that last year. It was, a, it was a slow auction, and it was a headache sometimes. But, you know, a lot of times – Paul or the auction? A, both. And me, sure <laughs> but uh, but last year I I remember we were doing it. We saved up a ton of money to get Vlad, and we didn't because we we still got outbid. A guy bid like forty dollars on him out of uh the standard two sixty, and we had to use it to to buy like forty players. And this was this was uh, I I know you've had uh. Bidon and Donkey Teeth from the yeah. Ditka Sausage Pot. So it's their dynasty league that they run. Uh, we, okay. partner, we partnered up and have a team. So what we ended up doing is we shifted all of our money and just bought a ton of prospects. Um, we kind of smoothed it out, and we ended up – like one of the guys I was like, you know, we're going to get him. And we, we took Juan Soto was one of them. We, we spent up a little bit for him. A guy Paul really wanted that I didn't want was Miguel Andujar. Um, so that ended up paying, paying out. So it's, it's kind of like, sometimes you just got to let one person take this, the other person take that. And we ended up, we, we did not plan on contending. We, we did the whole, we're not contending this year. We'll contend next year. And we, we finished third the first year doing that because we had, we had, obviously we had random guys that came up and did way better than we expected and our main spend was jose ramirez last year so we had him soto and matt chapman and guys like that and then we ended up buying kershaw in the middle of the year because we needed an ace so okay it ended up working really well and i think our team is definitely one of the favorites to win if not we're 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 either gonna win or come in second is what i'm gonna project i like it calling your shot early really early november early <laughs> i like that um when you're looking at dynasty drafts and you know you, I, I saw you know lance mccullers went um in the 11th round and that that seems pretty pretty fair but in a 30 team league that's well over 300 picks how do you approach guys where you know the pedigree is good injuries happen you probably aren't going to have them for the year how, how do you approach a guy like that? Do you just never want to touch him? Does he have to drop an extra couple rounds? How do you look at that? Because I know like Brent Honeywell goes, but he'll be back later this year. Kind of, I know it's pick your poison type stuff. Yeah, I, I think that in the in the actual draft, unless they go for like a big discount, I think I think McCullers went in a good spot. So I, I was definitely thinking about getting him. Um, but I think the main thing to do especially if you're rebuilding in in dynasty leagues is to go out and buy the hurt players because you're going to get them at a discount and if your team is bad you don't really care that you're waiting that year for them to get healthy like i don't expect my team to contend this year so Shohei otani doesn't really matter how much he's going to hit this year or if he's going to have to take time off to go rehab his arm and it, it doesn't really matter to me but if i was looking to contend this year Otani would probably be someone I would try and sell and get major value for. But, but yeah, like, like the guys like, uh, 
what's the, Michael Kopech? He he went at a good yeah. time, but he you know he's gonna miss all of this year. I I he didn't really go as at as much of a discount, so I wasn't really thinking about Kopech. Team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colin took him a little too high for my liking. Just because there can be plenty of complications with it, but it, I think it's it's a good strategy to mm-hmm. get guy like like Garrett Richards went, I, Justin Mason actually took him, and I I was thinking about taking him the round that he took him in round twenty, like that's not bad like, round twenty. If Garrett Richards comes back, yep, next that's year tremendous. And is Garrett Richards? You got a major major steal. So I I I think it's a very very good strategy. But we won't tell him that, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, edit or, that part out. Or you can tell him it's okay. He's got Jeff Samarja, Kyle Gibson, and Ross Stripling uh, <laughs> to go with it, so it's okay. Yeah, they'll all be heard this year too. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, they'll all they'll all be sharing time on the on the DL. But oh, um, well, with that being said, Walter, any final thoughts on this draft? You're still going strong. Uh, long ways to go. We, like I said, we could pick apart all kinds of things here. But uh, any final thoughts on this? No, no. I, I think the the main thing with drafts like this is just, especially in a league this big, get the guy that you want at that pick. Like, just take him there. Don't worry about if he's going to come back to you because he's probably not. Like, you're, you're going to be like, oh, man, this guy, I really wanted him. Well, you should have just taken him. It's so hey, true because, hey, like, hey. when you're – when you're coming back, you have to wait almost over 40 picks till you go again. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to wait 40 picks. And I'm <laughs> like, well, I need to take the guy I want right now because he's not coming back at all. So, like, to make to make that easier for you non math majors out there, for most people that play in 12 teams leagues, that's like three and a half rounds before <laughs> you get to pick again. <laughs> it's uh, brutal. It, it really rough. is. And, it's it's hard because it's like you you have to think through every decision more because the the shortest wait I have is twenty picks. The shortest wait. <laughs> yeah, it's twenty picks. Oh man, that's the shortest wait it, I have. It's one of those that makes you wonder would it would it have been better to be like round pick fifteen and just have that even both directions or would you rather be on the end and just do like the bang bang and then wait forever. No, I don't. I don't want the end. I don't want the yeah. end here because that—that's where you get really screwed. Because you have to. You gotta really reach. You really have, yeah. You really have to reach for the guys you want. Then, so yeah, I did not want the end. So it almost makes you think you almost want to be in the middle in a draft of this size. Yeah, I wanted like six mainly because I wanted to get one of those guys, but I, I think where I ended up became a good spot for me because it's like I didn't have to wait. I, I mean, yeah, forty picks is a lot, but it's like, like you said, some of them are waiting sixty to get to get back to them. So, and in reality, I think Eloy Jimenez at pick twenty one in a dynasty draft is amazing. Um, what you guys maybe haven't discussed this yet, Justin may know because he's the ringleader for all things friends with fantasy benefits. But what's going to happen? Because the the hardest part about dynasty leagues is keeping the owners. What's your guys's fallback plans? I know. You guys, a majority of you, I'd say at least 90% of you want this to work for a long time. I know Justin would it would create great content. He's got to have some sort of fallback plan. Basically what I'm saying is I'm willing to help if you guys need someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have uh, all 30 people that are in it are Friends with Fantasy Benefits contributors. Yes. So 
the fallback is if someone leaves, then we'll we'll probably replace them with someone who is also friends with fantasy benefits contributors. So it, it's kind of like we we plan on keeping it around for a long time. Good, good, because that's the hardest part. Is I I love the dynasty concept. I like it more than a regular concept. It's just so hard to make it keep going. That's the yeah, frustrating I, I part. Think, I think the, the hardest yeah. thing is you have to make sure you have a good commissioner and that yep. you have the commissioner chose good owners. It's like, yeah, sometimes people do take on too many leagues and they have to drop out, which is perfectly fine. And But I, I think if, you, if you're having like 20% of the league turnover every year, it's not a good sign at all. Yeah, yeah. and that's a good comment you made on the number of leagues. I'm already um, – already decided I'm going to really cut that back this year because I say that every year, but I'm really going to do my damnedest this year to do that because it just gets too much, way too much. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, that's what I'm telling myself. <laughs> it's November. It's November. I, I, I can say these things now because the problem is I was doing so well last year that I get, hey, would you like to play on this one? Hey, hey. It's like, well, I don't want to tell you no. Yeah, but I, did. Like- I, I, I know it definitely affects the overall stuff. Yeah, yeah, it does because it, it, especially like dynasty leagues, they take so much time. And you, the the one thing I will say is you have to trade. Like, I know people, some people don't like trading, but you have to trade because someone is going to be trading and someone's going to win the trade and someone's going to lose the trade. And if someone is continuously winning trades, you're behind them. Yes. So you and- have to do it. And I'm glad you said it because you, you you have to trade. Trading is essential in a dynasty league. There's no question about that. And even in redraft leagues, I, I like guys that can trade. It's just people need to start getting the concept through that I'm not going to be able to screw everyone. Like you can win trades like you're saying. It can be even 70-30 or something like that. But you can't keep bending someone over and expecting <laughs> it to work. That's just that's just not realistic to make trades happen. And, and then it's harder and harder to deal with you in the future. So – I wish yeah. there was like – I know I didn't get to go to first pitch Arizona and I want to one of these days. I think I need to like talk to Brent Hershey or something and go, can you guys start a platform, like one of your discussion things about the proper etiquette of training? Because I think I go a long, long way. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting dynamic. I, I, I think it's like you kind of just have to feel the people out. Some people aren't going to want to trade certain players, and that's that's fine. That's, that's just yeah. – you kind of just have to do it and – you kind of just have to figure out what they're they're looking to do and not just send crap offers to people every time because sometimes that just makes that just turns people yeah. off of you and they they're like oh, I'm never gonna trade with you so uh, I don't know I I like to keep it just like shoot someone a message hey I see you're doing well yeah. in this category doing bad in this one I have this guy what do what do you think of him and if they're like oh yeah I like him. Well, there you go. You gotta, you've got your partner right there. Now work it out. But I, I, yeah, I think that's one of the best ways to go about it. Is start out with just talking to them. Don't don't throw the 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 offer out right away because I'd say ninety nine percent of the time the offer is going to be definitely favored in your direction, and <laughs> it's not going to go well sometimes unless the owner understands this the concept. So I think that's a great approach, like you said, because I get it even in the football leagues and stuff. It's I get these trade offers. It's like, why don't you ask me what I, I I need and what I'm interested in trading before you just start throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks. Right? Well, football just, football trading is the worst. Like, well, I, I blew God. up a guy. I blew up a guy in our league this year. I, I put it on Twitter. I put it on our fate, our, our our message board. I, we have a league text. I blew him up. 
for the trade offers. Like yeah, he's the worst. Well, it's like fantasy football. It's like, hey, uh, I need your running back. You want to trade him to me? It's like, no, I need him. Yeah, I exactly. Also need my running back. It, it, there's, there's really no. That's the great thing about dynasty baseball too. Is like, yes, there's so many assets to trade. There's prospects. There's picks. There's MLB players. It, it's so complex, and you have to learn all of it. And it, it's just, it's the best way to play any fantasy sport, in my opinion. Like, all right, and I agree. There's no, there's no second place, close second place to me to dynasty baseball. And I agree. I love the dynasty format. Last question I'll ask you, and, and since you have so many prospects, you know you're, you're building from the youth up. What do you use as like sources or references to kind of build your repertoire of players that you're looking for? Yeah. So, uh, are you you're just talking about prospects or just players in general that I'm? You could say in general, but when you're looking at dynasty, you got to go so much deeper than the average player knows. So, where yeah, do you yeah. go? What do you use? For for prospects, I mean, the prospects live crew is just yes, they're so so good. Like they're they're just crushing it. And Matt Thompson's in the league, so it's kind of unfair that he already has all the info. But uh, but yeah, Matt, Ralph, I already I said Jason Waddell, Jason Panini, Lance Brozdowski, they're all just amazing, amazing at what they do. So I get a lot of info from those guys. I I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I listen to like the Baseball America one. Uh, I listen to uh, the MLB Pipeline one, stuff like that, the Fangraphs one. Yep. And then, honestly, I what I like to do a lot of is I will box score hunt for low minor league players, and then I YouTube those guys to see what they look like in general. Like and then I just kind of put it together. Because, I mean, I'm not going to be able to go down to – to where these guys are playing in rookie ball and scout them out or anything. It, and it, but I, I like to just get a look at what they're doing and then I'll read up a little bit on them. And like it, one of the guys I got in a ton of dynasty leagues last year, just by doing that is Fran El Reyes, who nice. actually looks like he's a pretty good asset this year. Um, so I, I think that's what I do. I, I just, I just come through the box scores every week. Like just the, just on fan graphs, just come through what players are doing. And, uh, and then I'll put in fab bids on them depending on, cause you gotta be kind of aggressive with some of the prospects. Cause no doubt. once they actually get any info out on them, they're, they're gone. People are yeah. picking them up and spending a ton of fab. And so that's why, that's why I like your idea of getting low a guys and stuff like that. I go to watch the San Jose giants or the high a for the giants and, and I love it. I sit there and I start watching the other teams and this and that. And, you know, I'm looking forward. Helio Ramos should hopefully be there next year. Uh, Melvin Adon, who was in the Arizona Folly that people started watching, I got to see him there. That guy is just a freak. If he just learned command, it would be amazing. So it's just fun watching these these low guys kind of build their way up. And like you said, they're not as talked about, so people don't really know them at that point in time. So one, definitely one way to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like Wander Franco wouldn't have went – high at all in this draft last year and now you could trade him for anything you want really so it's they they get a lot of they get a lot of hype and they gain a lot of value yep well awesome stuff walter we're gonna wrap it up right there i'm curious to see where things finish up i'm gonna keep checking this link uh every couple days not every day but every couple days and seeing 
where you guys are ending up here and maybe we'll chat about it on Twitter or talk again on the podcast, see where it goes, or I'll direct them your guys' way. Cause I'm pretty sure you guys will have more fun discussions over at friends of fantasy benefits, but uh, you can follow them on Twitter at Walter or the real fake Walter. It's Walter McMichael. Thanks for joining me tonight, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, it's always, it's always a fun time. I, I hope to come on again and we'll talk some redraft before, before the season starts. We, we definitely will. I'm going to crank it up a little earlier than normal. I kind of started in February last year. We'll get going even earlier this year, try to do a lot yes. more. So you, you, you will, you will definitely be back on um, and, and we'll get it going. Maybe, maybe one episode I'll have you and Paul on at the same time. We'll have the, the real fake baseball experience on Ben with Bubba. Oh, uh, you got, you guys don't want that. You're not ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> I've had you both on now twice separately. I might have to bring it on the third time's a charm and see how it works. All right. Yeah, I'll I'll be down. We'll we'll just have to figure out a time it works with Paul. But yeah, I, I'll definitely I'll de- we can you you can do the dual guests with us. I we'll, I think we'll we'll, we'll we'll make you laugh at least. That that's all I oh, can guarantee. I'm not doubting that, but we'll see how that goes. But everybody so again, check around on Twitter at the real fake Walter and go check out the guys at friends of Always great stuff over there. And tell Justin Mason, Bubba thinks he's he's, he's a goofball. But um this is Bench with Bubba episode one thirty one. Catch you guys later.